Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hey, horror movie and night. Uh, I just wanted to drop a little bonus episode because a good friend of mine, someone that I've known since I was 16, so I'm thinking you were probably 14-ish, yeah. uh, has a book <laughs> and is going to be available in just a few months, and I want all of you to go out and get it. Uh, so we'll get to talking about that book in just a second, but before we hit record, we were geeking out about the Friday the 13th children's novels. <laughs> Um, children's novels even though they're yeah i guess they're young adult they're pretty novels. much as violent as well i should say that because my book's pretty violent too so yeah sorry. but i think that what was cool what i was gonna say is what was cool about those books and maybe it was just because at that time i was also reading like goosebumps and bone chillers which was like the like the second rate goosebumps yeah. books i'm not sure if you remember bone chillers i think at i all. still have some is that the franken turkey one franken turkey is one of them yeah uh, <laughs> my favorite have some my favorite was little pet shop of horrors i was a big <laughs> fan of that one i actually just read i read one of them recently and my takeaway i actually texted my brother and was like yo this book kind of sucks but <laughs> The setup to this book is amazing and like we could make a movie out of it because it was about a group of kids in Florida. Of course. And they lived right by like their school was right by a swamp and a hurricane is coming 
So everyone's supposed to evacuate the town, but these two kids think that it would be cool to ride out the hurricane inside the school by themselves. And while they're there, they see a monster come out of the swamp. Oh, that is a cool setup. And then everything, like they get out of the school perfectly fine. And then it's like the monster starts posing as their teacher and no one believes them. But like, I was like, no, scrap oh, that. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Do a full movie where it's like two kids trapped in a school that's being stalked by a monster outside of it. And like you use that hurricane subplot. So there's nobody around. And then you add in like, a police officer that's like looking for the kids and he gets like, they're just watching people get slaughtered outside of this school. It's like <laughs> and, crawl, but with a yeah, monster. I wanted to like crawl so much more than I did. I, I, I love the setup. And then I remember just kind of being like bored of it. Yeah. Midway through. Same. I watched it on a plane and it kept my attention on a plane. And I was like, this is fun and stupid. I watched it opening night <laughs> in a movie theater during a flood warning so like the circumstances couldn't have been better for it to be terrifying and it still and wasn't it's still like i was just like midway through i'm just like these cg crocodiles are kind of getting they're looking worse as the movie goes on <laughs> and it was just like how many fucking times can these people survive being attacked by these crocodiles like yeah. that was like where i was starting to get over it and the only part i really loved was like when They've like already established at this point that the crocodiles can hear you in the water. Yeah. And then the rain stops, so they can't move anymore. Yeah. And that's the only part I liked is when the yeah. eye goes over them. I'm like, ooh, this is interesting. It was and such they're a like good trying concept, to do this stuff. For sure. But what I was gonna say back to the Friday thirteenth books is you go through those bone chillers and those goosebump books where like at the end of the day everything's fine and yeah. no one really dies. And then like those Friday the thirteenth books, it's like every other chapter someone's getting slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't get into detail with it but it's like there's a body count and it's a pretty hefty body count and sometimes they do describe what's happening to yeah. the victims i remember the uh i i think i reread the first one a while ago and i was even then i was like wow this is surprisingly violent for a 90s children's book and i like that you know like jason goes to hell is a questionable movie to of people course you know what i mean but like it's a very divisive movie but I like that they kind of took the concept of like Jason is an entity that can possess a body. Yeah, but it was and, his mask. And went with the mask. Yeah, like anybody who puts on the mask. That it, makes more sense than having to like make out heart. with somebody yeah. and yes. spread whatever demon thing comes out of their mouth. Yeah, so I'm doing on uh, August 13th. It's Friday the 13th, mm. right where you're sitting. I'm going to watch all 10 movies live streamed with different guests. <laughs> And man, that ending the night with Jason goes to hell into Jason X is a real like. That, I genuinely love Jason X. I think it's I, a good movie because it's stupid. I want to like Jason X more than I like Jason. X. It's a, it's it's so stupid, and it knows it's stupid because it's Jason problem. in space. I think that's my problem is that it it's too in on the joke at times. There are great moments in that. Like we can, I can never deny. You know, the, frozen uh, face yeah. smash, good stuff. <laughs> or the, um, the virtual reality. The virtual reality <laughs> scene. Yeah, like there's really good scenes. I also think it's just how... Wait, and I, hold on now. The part where she like kicks him off of a, a catwalk and he lands on a giant screw and goes, get screwed or something like that. <laughs> and he like slides down slowly. I mean, here's the thing. The biggest, the biggest strike that I can put against any Friday the 13th movie and Jason X falls into this category... I think Freddy versus Jason falls into this category, and I know for sure that Jason takes Manhattan go, goes in this category. 
I don't need this movie to be longer than 90 minutes. No, no one's asking for that with Friday the 13th. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just get it. It's quick and done. That's why people like these movies. Was the original even? The 90 original minutes? one's like 80. I'm pretty sure it's like 80 minutes. Like yeah, it's 82 like 80 minutes, minutes or something. It's, a lot of them are right in that like 80 to 90 minute range. And then all of a sudden, like Jason Takes Manhattan comes out and they're like, we need almost two hours to really yeah, tell almost this story. Almost two hours and only 10 minutes of it is he actually going to be in Manhattan. And let's also ignore how they get from a lake to, <laughs> to New Manhattan. York. <laughs> Listen, see, this is the thing. I think I like Jason Takes Manhattan more than Jason X because <sighs> I feel like Jason Takes Manhattan falls into that like Troll 2 category where it's like they didn't know that they were <laughs> fucking up. They were very sincere the whole time. And I don't know. There's something so much more endearing to someone who's really trying. No. And they're yeah. just striking out. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about the book. Because as long as I've known you, you've always been a horror buff. You've been a little bit of a sci-fi buff, yeah. from what I recall. But like we used to do movie nights constantly. We would go to theaters. I remember you were kind of the person who spearheaded some of the fondest memories I have of high school, which was like double and triple feature trips yeah. to the movies. And we paid for every ticket. We could have yeah, easily... We were, we were nice fucking kids because <laughs> like, we went up and said, we want these following tickets. Like, we're not yeah. sneaking in. We're supporting the arts. Yeah. Meanwhile, the arts were like probably these big budget blockbusters at the time I still. Mean, there but was, we did see some. We saw... There was an evening. I remember one of them. I'm pretty sure we did in one day Napoleon Dynamite Big Fish and Garden State all in the same day. It's a lot of late, early, early aughts. Yeah. Uh, indie films yeah. back to back. <laughs> I was like, we were supporting it, but I know we did Eternal Sunshine. Like there yeah. was, and it was like, we had it so well planned out. We were like, all right, we're going to show up right when it starts, right when the theater opens at 9 a.m. on Saturday, <laughs> we're going to see this movie. Then we're going to get a quick lunch. <laughs> And then we're going to come back and do this movie at 1 p.m. and this movie at 4 p.m. And then we're going to go home and probably hang out in your basement or Holly's basement and watch a bunch of movies. <laughs> exactly. Like, it was like on every Saturday, five or six movies yeah. just crammed into a day. But it was awesome. I, I like fondly remember those Saturdays. Yeah. I miss having the freedom to just be like, I'm just going to bounce from theater to theater for the next. And I haven't even because of the pandemic, I haven't even been to the movies since... I think even before oh, I, last I, year. I got real sucked in on those movie pass when movie pass came out and then it turned into like the AMC and Regal yeah. cards. Ooh. Oh boy. With the Regal cards, because you could see as many movies as you want it in a single day, I would what we used to do on Saturdays, I would occasionally do on a Sunday. I'd be like, All right, all these movies came out this weekend. Sunday I'm gonna like show up at nine, see one, go walk over to Chipotle and get lunch and then come back and see two more. Really, I think the last movie I saw in theaters was probably the Pet Cemetery remake. Oh, that was a rough one. It was, especially since the twist is like, it's so great because they change which kid dies. Yeah. And they kind of create, like, give you, the, like, more. Um, Having the kid be able to talk yeah. about things. Like, That's such a great idea. There was, and they screwed it up. They really and fucked that up. And they also ruined it by showing you in the trailer that it happens. But. Yeah, that was a huge mistake. <laughs> but like, I think that was the last one I saw in theaters, which is so disappointing. Oh, no. I saw literally up until, the I would say, two days before the full shutdown happened. So like March 11th, I went and saw uh, Gretel and Hansel. How was that? I liked it a lot. Yeah. I can see why it's divisive, 
but like it is very beautifully shot and it's a very unique it's like a weird feminist take on the Hansel and Gretel story and it's definitely one of those movies where it's a PG or PG-13 film but I did not realize that when I was watching because it, it felt very R. It like, was uh, Alice is it Craig is her last name? Something. I know that she's had like a pretty I good career. I love her. Yeah. She she is in like Silent Hill which I actually like. I think it's a great movie. I feel like a lot of people defend that as one of the better video game adaptations. It is. For sure. it's, it's, it does have a lot of it's too smart and it's all trying to do entirely too much but she was also the Borg Queen in the Star Trek First Contact. Yeah. And she she plays like she's a good character. Yeah, actor. I think Anything you would like she's it. in. I love. But then I did return to the theaters. Finally, I went and saw Cruella. That was that was my the- film so back in theaters. I watched that on Disney Plus. Uh, my friends log in. Ooh. But uh, I loved it. You know I who directed it was that? So weird, and I loved it because I did know who it was, and now I can't remember. Yeah, it who was Craig Gillespie, and his career is like he did Lars and the Real Girl, which is great. He did the Fright Night remake, which I think is one of the better fr- right, remakes. Yeah. And then he did I, Tanya, which I think is like one of the yeah. best films. So I'm like, <laughs> of course Cruella was going to be great. Like, you've got a dude who's got such a unique visual style. And like, that movie is just straight up like RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. Like any, it is the most queer centric Disney is. film. <laughs> and, I, I, and I don't think that it's like... It's not like in when Beauty and the Beast came out and like, we've got a gay character in yeah. here. And then like the LeFou dances with a guy for 30 seconds. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and he's like, no, like, there's a gay guy. We've in this really, movie. He's wearing leather pants. <laughs> like, he is designing <laughs> outfits for everybody. And it's like I walked away from that movie also feeling like without saying it, you get the vibe that Cruella is, if not gay, very asexual. She yeah. has no attraction to anybody except for fashion. <laughs> <laughs> and I just loved any scene where Emma Stone and Emma Thompson were just being bitches to each other, oh, but God. it was like subtle bitchiness, like not on Emma Thompson's yeah. role, but uh, Emma Stone had to kind of be subtly bitchy too. And it's just the both of them going at it. I loved it. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, and a big shout out to uh, one of my favorite podcasts. They're good friends of the show, Fright School. Uh, it's a all queer horror podcast yeah. between my friends, Joshua and Joe. And they, uh, Joshua threw a, a watching party at his house that he called uh, the Deville Wears Prada, where they watched <laughs> Cruella and then followed it up with the Devil Wears Prada That's as perfect. a double feature. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> I mean, especially he told me that before I saw the movie, and then when I was watching, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the Absolutely. Devil Wears Prada. 100%. <laughs> So let's talk about the book. So yeah. so you've been working on this book for how long? Because that's so, an important thing to establish before we talk yeah. about what it is. So I, I actually wrote the first draft in 2015. Okay. And um, I just kind of, I, I wrote it really quickly and it just kind of came out. And I, when I finished it, I didn't like it. There was something wrong with it. I couldn't figure it out. So I just set it aside. And then for about three or four years I worked on it slowly and I finally like figured out what was wrong with it, fixed all of that, send it out, got my agent with it in 2019 Mm -hmm. and we did a little bit more work. He had some uh, notes for me. So I took his notes, did some edits and we pretty much decided at the end of 2019, we're like, okay, we'll do one more pass at this and just hit these little tiny things that we're going to tweak a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of 2020, we'll go on submission for it. Yeah. And so we, I think in February, 
it was, I think, around February 18th or so, he was like, all right, we're going to go out and submission submission on this on, like, February 22nd. Okay. And so we sent it out to all of these editors, and I guess I should probably talk about, like, what it's about at this point. Well, <laughs> because you, you had a deal before everything right? no it was oh, oh okay it was it was march 13th is when it sold okay which is also very fast for publishing no i was gonna say because you're like giving me this timeline i'm like <laughs> wait a second i thought that you had sold it just before right when so but... we went on submission right before it's okay. just um the submission process usually takes between a few months to a yeah, year a few or so. months yeah. to even some people go on submission for two years at a time yeah. and which my, mine i if think you're was wondering like if you should weeks. pre-order it <laughs> Three weeks, three weeks turnaround time is a pretty good uh, seal of approval, I would say. But yeah, so you get this this book made, uh, or someone takes the offer. Harper Collins, a, a yeah. subsidiary of them. It's uh, Balzer and Bray. They they're a uh, um, imprint in Harper Collins. Yeah. So what's the book about? So <laughs> it's about uh, two teens who survive a viral apocalypse that destroys most of the world. And then the two of them have to kind of figure out how to survive in this new world where almost everybody's dead and all that's left are the people who have survived this deadly flu. So Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about you and I was also thinking about everything that's happened in the world because, um, you know, Netflix produced that show Sweet Tooth. And yeah. I was aware of the comic, but I was like, let me read the comic before I watch the show. Have you read the comic of Sweet Tooth? I haven't. I, have only, I haven't even watched the show. I've only heard what it's about. Yeah. And it's the I finished the first of the three trades. There's like three like mega trades. But yeah, it's like five. It's I think it's seven years after a they just described it as a random flu that no one could explain killed almost the entire population. Yeah. And any woman who gave birth during that time gave birth to like weird hybrid creatures oh. <laughs> and now like people are hunting the hybrid creatures because they can't get sick so they're thinking that if they dissect those hybrid creatures they'll, they'll find, a, find cure. a cure so it's just from the perspective of one of the hybrid creatures just trying to survive in like the chaos but and i was like you... man why were so many people thinking about like how a viral thing could just dec decimate us i mean it's been there's been a lot of people talking about it yeah. for years and years and years. And it's like when that happened, I I mean, it wasn't a surprise yeah. because when Obama, we know that when Obama left the office, he had a pandemic task force yeah. and somebody someone, disassembled it who, entirely. Someone just came in right as soon as it happened. Disappeared. So. It was weird. Uh, so I mean, there has been, and everyone also is talking about like, especially with the vaccine, which I am one hundred percent vaccinated. If you're not, same. you should be vaccinated. Yeah, that's that's the stance of horror movie night. <laughs> there's like all these people who said that like Bill Gates is behind like all these vaccination things. It's like yeah, he is because he has been talking about this. Yeah. He has been saying that there will be a pandemic, and it's because of global warming. It's because of climate change. It's because there's all of these issues oh, that are. I'm not sure. Let me turn you on to a friend of mine. His name is Q, and he <laughs> believes that all those are made up. <laughs> so. Well, he sounds like a moron. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you've got this book. I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I guess what's it? The secret where you put things all out into the universe. Yeah. I'm gonna secret this for you real quick. Do it. 
a quick three week turnover, right? You're a film buff. Yeah. If if someone is like, we want to option this for Netflix show, movie, whatever. How hard do you fight to like be the person that writes that screenplay or maybe even gets to direct it? Right now, it's zero. I okay. do not want to be involved in it anymore. <laughs> because I it's guess like, when you've lived with something for seven years, you just want to be away from it for a part while. of it. But it's also I. It's so when it sold last year, it sold on March thirteenth, and it was the first day that Balzer and Bray, my publisher. They were working from home. It yeah. was the first day. And even in the email that my editor sent me, she's like, oh, it's we're, we think it's going to be a couple weeks. And even at that time, I was like, mm, I don't think so. It's probably <laughs> going to be until like October. Yeah. Now we're more than a year on. Yeah, we're 18 months at this point. But I just kind of was like, okay, well, that's this is this is all like all this is happening at once. I can deal with it. It's fine. And then when you're editing a book, it's not just... You get like one pass, you talk with your editor and you kind of do whatever the edits are and then it's done. It was basically all of last year I had yeah. to edit this book while all of this was happening and it was awful. And yeah. it was, it just, the other thing that was really annoying about it, one of the, like, so my editor sends, um, it's a development letter. So she'll kind of list out all the things that she wants me to kind of work on in the book. And in the first one, it was, had COVID-19 not happened, we probably would have been able to get away with this as is. Like, not, yeah. not everything, but, like, specifically the virus. Yeah. And having lived through a pandemic, seeing how people react, we had to change things to make it seem more realistic. Because mm -hmm. if people open up a book and all the things that were in there originally, they're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Nobody did that. We've yeah. lived through this. And so that was... But we also didn't want to kind of make it about COVID nineteen. Yeah, we yeah. didn't want to pull from that. We didn't want to because I think kind of everybody's getting burned out on like exactly. every TV show and movie having that angle. And, and there like, were certain words that I didn't want to use. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'll I'll figure out a way to do this. I'll incorporate some real life things, and I'll also still add some fictional things in. Yeah. And so every time. I, there were so many notes in this in like while we're doing all these changes of the manuscript where I had to delete something because I would write it in the book and then it happened in real life. Oh no, you, and you had a stranger than fiction thing happening <laughs> to you. Like, I think we should just change this book title to Jumanji and call it a day. <laughs> Instead of writing the end at the end, it'll just say Jumanji. <laughs> And then all of this will go away. It'll be fantastic. We tried it. It didn't work. So. Oh, well. At least you, you did all that you could do. Yeah. You know, like, when you're someone working, and I mean, obviously not nearly the same, but like doing podcasts. We, we not a single show that I produce missed a week. Yeah. Like, and that was tough. Yeah. But it was like, in my mind, I was like, I need distraction. Yeah. And I'm sure that if I'm climbing the walls looking for distraction, like it's my job as an entertainer to like provide that distraction. And then obviously as things continue to get more and more awful uh, <laughs> as time went on, it was like, okay, 
we're still providing entertainment, but we're also providing information and like PSAs and, you know, you're going to be doing Geekscape soon. And Jonathan was amazing with that of like being like, yo, go get vaccinated. Do this. This is important. Like this is stuff that needs to happen. So it is, it is something that is very unique and interesting that we've all lived through. And it's, I like that the angle that I've been hearing on a lot of shows now is we all know that it's still a thing like the pandemic is still happening. But I think instead of saying that where it falls on deaf ears, now the thing that I keep hearing people saying is like, Hey, it feels great to be back to normal. would really suck if we had to stop doing this and go back to the way it was. So like, if you haven't yet, I really recommend going and getting that Fauci ouchie as quickly as possible. (laughs) 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 So like, that's kind of like, that's kind of the angle I'm taking with it is like, I also, this is going to sound really shitty, <laughs> and I'm sure you're probably at this point, too. I did everything I was supposed to do. Yeah. I'm protected. <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm done worrying about you not wanting to do this. Like, yeah, I'm more, the only p- people that I'm caring about right at this point is the, the kids. kids who can't get vaccinated. Yeah. If you are an adult, if you can get vaccinated, and you have chosen not to get vaccinated, I find it very difficult to feel bad. No, 100%. I know like, that I should. I know I'm a caring person. No, you are, but still... But We've been wanting to do conventions. We've been wanting to travel. We've been wanting to do a whole lot of stuff. And we've done all the things that we're supposed to do in order to do those things. So if you choose not to do those and you become one of the 99% of the unvaccinated people that are getting COVID. uh, And I know that there are still (laughs) some... um, There are still some people who can't get it in... I don't really know. Like, like different countries kind of, and, yeah. and there's different like it's especially different countries and but I, I, i'm not traveling to like those countries so yeah. it's like i'm just trying to travel inside the united states right now yeah. but like even i you know i know like you know one of my siblings they're expecting a baby in the next month they're like i'd really just rather wait until i give birth and then get the shot because i just don't know like yeah they could say oh for sure there will be no side effects if we give you this while you're pregnant but like yeah. There also could be. <laughs> so so why not just have the natural birth and then like a week later, boom, like let's get let's get moving. During the natural birth, as soon as the baby's out, you just go, now do it yeah, now. Bah, yeah, you're already in enough pain. What's the worst that can happen? And you're already in the hospital, so you're there when it's really shitty. <laughs> but to be so if if my hopefully my book does get option, but yeah. if that happens, I feel like at this point I don't want anything to do with it. It All could right. change, but I I want I'd be like you go do it and take all of that and make it whatever you're going to make it into. But I also I feel like with um, it's like Stephen King has said that he likes kind of giving a lot of power away with his books. He just like signs the paperwork and says, make it whatever you want. Yeah, after. and he has those $1 deals with yeah. like college students and stuff, which I think is awesome. Stephen and, King is a really awesome person. Yeah, As much as we can trash some of his later novels. like <laughs> I like some of his later stuff. I mean, I like Cell a lot, actually. I like Cell. Yeah. I think that one's fun. I like Duma Key, which nobody ever reads. I thought it was yeah. great. I mean, it's I've very read. Strange, a, I've but... tried to read all of his stuff. I know I've read Duma Key, but I don't remember too much about <laughs> it. And I think eleven twenty two sixty three is his best book. I agree with that. That yeah. book is. I I think that he tends to. How do I word this? The thicker and longer his books are, the more I expect them to not really satisfy because yeah. I feel like he lacks 
editing himself a lot of the time. But that's probably the longest book that I think is the most deserving for the length that it is. Because it really is a ride. Like, you are on a psychological... That was one that I could not put down. I was like, this is fantastic. That's one of the few ones I've read by him where I actually read it twice. And it's a 600-page book. And to read a 600-page book twice... Yeah. And I'm a a slow reader, surprisingly. That's that's a big ask. I also like... um, What the heck was it called? He did, like, a lot of... I think people don't appreciate his non-horror stuff enough. Like, I love Eyes of the Dragon, which is, like, his fantasy novel that he wrote for his kids. But there's one that's, like... I wish I could remember what the hell it was called. But it's all at, like, a carnival in one summer, and it's, like, the carnival... Joyland. Joy Is that the one where they think think that there's a ghost inside the carnival ride, and it's... Yeah, it's... it's, uh, They, like... He meets like a little a kid one. on the uh, yes. on the beach. Yeah, it's Joyland. I, That's I a good really one. enjoyed that book. That was a lot. so. My friend, she doesn't like horror, and she knows that I like Stephen King. So mm-hmm. she's like, "Is there a Stephen King book you think I should try?" And I was like, "Try Joyland first. I gave her yeah. my copy, and she loved it. Yeah, it's only like, and it's a quick read. It's like yeah, two, I think it's like two hundred pages, pages something like at that. the most. Yeah, it's it's a if you're like just looking for a quick Stephen King read. I think that that's one of the top ones for me. I had a blast with that book. He had one. I think it came out earlier this year and i hated it <laughs> i don't usually hate stephen king books and i hated it which it's such a great idea it's um this kid who sees ghosts and in this the rules for the ghosts are they basically hang around until they just kind of slowly disappear yeah and the other rule is they when you ask them a question they cannot lie to you and so his mother is a literary agent and her biggest client dies before he finishes his last book. So she brings him to the guy's house, makes him tell her the story. She writes the rest of the story and says that he delivered it before he died. Yeah. And her girlfriend is a cop sees all of this happen. So she, whenever there's like some stuff happens between his mother and the girlfriend, the cop breaks up with her and has like a drug problem. She comes and kidnaps the kid to try and get him to help her solve like a murder in order to get her career back. And it's really cool all the way up until the end. And something happens at the end where I was just like, what the fuck, Steven? I, I mean, I know that it's, it's still too early to tell just based on output of one versus the other, but man, his son his oh, son I can Joe write. Hill's Joe books. Hill is like. Yeah. I don't think that there's a bad Joe Hill book yet. <laughs> like, yeah. Like every, I've only read. I've read the Locking Key comic series. I've read Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. I've read uh, Heart Shaped Box, and I've read Horns. But I was like, got no complaints. Got no notes. No negative things to say about any of it. He also does a lot of short stuff too. He has yeah. um this one book called Strange Weather, which. It has this book that is about gun violence that as soon as I, it's, it's a, I think it's a novella at this point. It's like not a short story. So it's long enough that it's a novella and I was reading it on the train. I finished it and I closed the book and I was in the quiet ride car and I wanted to yell and like, I was so both impressed and angry and upset and all of these this range of emotions that I just had to sit there and be quiet and think about it. And then it haunted me for like the longest time. And it's it's I still think about it randomly. I'm like, how did you write that? It's yeah. amazing. 
I uh, one of the things that haunts me from reading is a uh, an author that I have mixed feelings towards in general, but uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. Uh, Guts. His short story Guts is like I can't. I can't. I don't think it. I've read that one. It's in Haunted. Yeah. It's one of the stories in Haunted. I remember reading it on the internet. Like it was one of. The, but it's literally just a person sits down on the suction of a pool. And it starts to suck their intestines out of their ass, and it's like Final Destination Four stuff. Yeah, it's like five pages of describing what's happening, and you're just like, I can't deal with this. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) It's like I don't like this at all. Uh, So the book, you're expecting it to be available in March, but if people are interested in the book, which name of the book is definitely an important thing to throw out there. It's called All That's Left in the World. Um, It comes out March eighth. But it's available for pre-order now. You can also add it on Goodreads to remind yourself of when it's coming out. Um, yeah. And I I, I have uh, one of the things I was concerned about was, and I'm sure that my publisher's probably concerned about it too, but I haven't asked. I'm too scared of the answer. But I think I was nervous that people wouldn't want to read it because it's a pandemic. It's about a pandemic yeah. and we're just coming out of a pandemic. So I had a couple of my friends go to Goodreads. There's a couple of people who are getting early copies, advanced reader copies, um, just to do reviews and stuff like that. And a lot of the people have like, I think there's maybe two reviews that my friends sent me where they were concerned about that as well, but they still read it and they got through it and they were like, oh, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be because it's not just about this virus. Like by the time the book starts, the virus is burned out. It's yeah. done. So it's basically just about, it's kind of a survival adventure story with these two kids. And they're just slowly throughout the, they're trying to find uh, like civilization. They're trying to figure out what is going on with their life now. And it's also just about them falling in love. It's a cute romance story as well. My, wow. um, my editor came up with a way to pitch it. It's basically a teen version of Patrick and David from Schitt's Creek meets the apocalypse. I love it. So as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> well, Eric, I hope that people go and put that on their pre-order lists, put it on their Goodreads. Get ready. I'm excited to read the copy you sent me and then also do my due diligence to go to a bookstore and buy it Yeah, uh, on March 8th. All that's left in the world, you can buy it wherever you buy books. And what's next for you? Are you? Is there more books on the horizon? So when I sold when I sold this one, they bought whatever my next book was going to be, and I do have my editor's reading one book, um, but I haven't heard anything yet. So either they hate it or. They just haven't read it yet. (laughs) It's one of those two. It's one of those two. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Eric. I will let you go. Thanks for having me. You've got some dinner to get to. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. 
Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 